0: Hi everyone, I'm Ruth Wilkinson on Unleash Your Goddess. Today, Samantha Boyd is sharing her amazing story to inspire others. At 16, she was diagnosed with GBS and ended up in intensive care on life support, paralysed from neck down. We find out how she had to learn to live with her new limitations and how Samantha turned her pain into something beautiful. Even though she was in pain every day, she started to learn just to take one day at a time. Hello,
1: Samantha. Thank you for coming on today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So great to have you here. Looking forward to hearing your story. And I I know how much it's going to help others. Really excited to get this out today. And thank you.
2: excited to tell you. What message are you wanting to get across to our listeners today? I would say don't listen to the negative voices. And they are not only the ones that are in our heads, that the ones that can sometimes be from friends and family, sometimes they mean well and they say the wrong things. And live life to your absolute fullest, because you never know what's going to happen until you have a go at something. Take a deep breath and just do it.
1: Just jump in the deep end. Yep. (laughs) That's the only way, isn't it? Yep, it is, absolutely. (laughs) When you was a child, what did a typical weekend look
2: like? Oh, I was outdoors all the time. Um, I had a really happy childhood. I was very lucky. I was brought up in the countryside on the borders of Sussex and Surrey. My parents moved us there when we were three. My dad, he loved being outdoors. He had a veg patch. He always had, there was always rabbits. I remember guinea fowl, which are a weird kind of chickeny thing. Uh, Goats. you name it. We had it. Uh, we always had cats and dogs. We were always out walking in the woods. You know, when I was sort of like 10, 11, 12, probably might even be younger. I remember being out with my brother. We just we used to go into the woods and be there all day. Take a packed lunch. Brilliant. Never saw us. Yeah, so I was very lucky. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah. so very healthy. How would your parents describe you as a child?
2: I think I was quite a friendly child, but I always had my head stuck in a book. I was always reading. I started reading at a very young age before I went to school and I literally used to just sit and read constantly. So, yeah, they would say I was a bookworm. Yes.
1: Yeah.
2: And I still am. I still am. I read loads.
1: There's nothing like a good book. I'm looking forward to finding out at the end what, what, what the favourite <laughs> book is. Were your parents, were they spiritual or religious?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I was brought up with a Church of England background. I was, t- you know, I went to Sunday school My parents both went to church regularly. In fact, uh, my dad and myself were christened, with my grandmother actually, christened and confirmed when I was a teenager. But unusually, my dad, I would say now, was definitely on a pagan path. Um, He was very spiritual in that um, he would talk to relatives that had passed away. We would celebrate Halloween. Uh, We would celebrate... Um, May Day uh, and the solstices Uh, I didn't realize it at the time because it wasn't something that was talked about but you know and he I can remember going for a walk with my parents and there was a disused railway line and there was a baby bird sitting in the branch, and with no word of a lie this baby bird hopped onto my dad's finger and he then gave it to me and then I passed it on to my brother and um yeah, it was that looking back, I can see because my path has changed. Um, you know, I I don't go to church. I do sometimes go to church, I say, because I quite like Christmas carols and stuff like that. Yeah. But um uh I'm much more spirituality is based in nature. So uh I meet up with druids and Wiccans alike. Um but I have a bit of an eclectic uh spirituality now. Yeah.
1: So when you was about eight years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Or,
2: or didn't you know at that point? <laughs> <laughs> I used to love the programme Quincy. Oh yeah, if anybody remembers that from a long time ago so yes. I always wanted to be a forensic pathologist um, <laughs> I don't know why but I just did and did I you thought it'd be a really cool job no 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 not yet no, not Never, yet. No, never no. I don't, I, I'm not going to go down that path it's completely <laughs> the wrong path for me but yeah that's what I wanted to be
1: <laughs> we're going to jump now to the age of 16 when yep. you've got the diagnosis do you want to tell us a bit more about that
2: Uh, Yeah, so I believe it's pronounced Guillain-Barré, it's French. But I have always said Guillain-Barré because it just sounds easier in my accent. Um, I was 16. My parents had moved us all to Wales. Uh, We lived just outside Aberystwyth. And um, I left my boyfriend, who was still here. We'd met when I was 13 and started dating when I was 15. Um, And I found it a really hard move. Um, And I came down with glandular fever, which a lot of people get. Ended up in hospital with that because I had jaundice um, and so was very ill. Um, They sent me home from the hospital and said to my mum, she just needs feeding up, she needs some home-cooked food inside her. I said, okay, that's fine. Um, But I didn't get better. And within three days, I couldn't even turn myself over in bed. So, the disease itself is like um it's the white blood vessel, the bl- white blood vessels instead of attacking what you have, so you can start off with a cold, you can just start off you know with anything um it starts attacking your own body, and um luckily, the doctor that came out to see me at my home had seen it before she'd worked in London um because it is a quite a rare thing um and I just became paralyzed from the neck down. I had half the side of my face, was in a like a bell palsy. Um, and I stopped breathing. I had to be on a vent to be put on a ventilator in intensive care. So it was a very scary time. Obviously I didn't really know anything about it at the time, but my parents, you know, had to go through quite a scary, scary time. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I had to it the-
1: I'd never heard of it before. I'd no get, it taps your nervous system does it
2: is that right yeah. yeah yeah that's right so um luckily um i was in swansea hospital and they were very good they did something which is called plasmapheresis, where they take out a portion of your, pl- of your blood they spin it round, take your plasma out and put clean plasma in was and that pain back in your body that painful? um i don't know i don't think i would say it was. I would say I've never had kidney dialysis, but that is kind of what I would say it was similar to. Um, you know, I had uh, tubes going down into my heart um, and it had to be done fairly regularly. So you're basically they're giving you clean plasma um, to try and stop your body fighting itself. But, you know, it meant I was in bed for, I was in intensive care for about two weeks, I think. And then, um, then started because they'd started that process, um, my lungs started fighting back, so I was able to breathe on my own. And then I was in hospital again for quite a few months uh, before coming home. But I can always remember l- falling in bed um, because I couldn't prop myself up. You know, I literally couldn't do anything yes. at all. Um, it took a long time to get back, and I was in a wheelchair for a while afterwards because I had to build up my strength again. Yeah, you know. So, but yeah, yeah it was a really scary time as a teenager. Yeah. yeah.
1: So how, how, long,
2: how long was you paralysed for? I was paralysed, I think, for about three months altogether. And gradually it starts coming back. So, you know, your uh, feeling starts to come back. You start to be able to move your arms and then your toes and then your legs. And it's very gradual, but um, it gradually comes back. But then obviously you've got all the muscle wastage where yes. you've literally... Been in bed for that period of time, so. um But you know, it was fine. It was fine. We we got through it. But yeah, yeah. I know that when my mum talks about it, she gets quite upset.
1: Yeah. And did that have any lasting effects on you?
2: Like now or? Uh, well, can't... I do. I have um a. I have a spinal problem, so I've scoliosis of the spine, um, which they think is connected. Um so my spine is twisted and curved at the base, um, which affects my legs and my arms. So I have uh very I have numb feelings in my fingers and my toes, I have like electric shock pains uh in my hands and my feet and sometimes down my legs. But um but apart from that, and I can't give blood, which I find incredible, but um yes. even after all these years. Yeah.
1: That must have been mm. hard, hard to live with because I've got an invisible disability. And I know when you have to learn to live with illness and disabilities, it, it brings many limitations to your new life. Mm. For me, it was feelings of I'm not enough, I can't get out and do what I used to do and lots of, of a deep toxic feelings inside. Mm. But then you learn to push through and through therapies and counting, things like that. You come to terms with it. How did you do that and come to terms with what you have now? And
2: it, I think... I was very, very lucky, again, uh, my mum and dad, uh, my friends, and my now husband, obviously he wasn't my husband at the time, he was coming down and literally staying by my bed, he was only 18, 19 at the time, um, I know 16 is a really horrible age anyway, because you're going through so much emotionally, hormonally, and everything else, um, but the one thing that my dad always said to me, this is only today. This is what you can do today. It's time. Yeah. And then tomorrow. But what can we do You know, now? So it's just thinking, and it was taking it literally that slowly, almost minute by minute. What can I do right at this moment in time? And um, it's break, breaking things down into small, tiny steps. Because then you do achieve stuff. Yes. Um, I think I've, I must have always had a very positive frame of mind because I think without that, I wouldn't have got through but it. It's hard. Yeah. Exactly. hard. Yeah. Um, you know, when you live with pain, which I do every single day, mm. it can wear you down. The, the job, I think, that you have to try and do is train your mind almost to ignore the pain. It's going to be there just yes. like your breathing and your heartbeat and everything else it's a part of you to so accept it but move on yes um it's very difficult to do that and it takes um you know a lot of effort but once you've done it you can't I mean there are moments when I'd literally sit and I just think oh I just don't want to move but yes. I make myself yes get up every day you know and Actually, once you start moving around and you do stuff, your brain's engaged with other things. You then do forget about the pain for that period of time. It kind
1: of becomes part of you, doesn't it? It's a a bit like Mm. a friend or or just an arm, and you know, it it becomes the pain becomes part of you, doesn't it? So so sometimes you forget what life was like without the pain. It's just like odd hours, something like the pain. Like, whoa, that's what it's like. (laughs) 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 But it is. It's positivity. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what mine helps me, certainly. And as you said, just taking one day at a time, or if you have to, what, that one hour, two hours at a time, not, not yeah. really looking at the bigger picture when you're feeling, yeah. you're feeling like that. And that, yeah. that. and that marriage. So, so he was a childhood sweetheart?
2: Yes. I remember when I was 13 seeing him at school. He was a prefect outside the library. And I actually said to my friend, I'm going to marry him. I hadn't even met him. I hadn't even spoken to him, and she was like, "Yeah, right." Um, and we we saw each other a few times when I was that age. Which, if you think about it now, a thirteen-year-old and a sixteen-year-old, you would like. Ugh. Um, but you know, it didn't last because I was too young. Um, and then when I was fifteen, uh, six months before he had got a he'd got an eighteenth birthday card from an anonymous person saying how much they liked him and he thought it was from me and it wasn't and so he then asked me out again and we started dating I was um when we were moving to Wales he asked my dad if he could marry me but we were allowed to get engaged I think my parents thought it's not going to last long distance relationship you know 250 miles away but um he came down every month to see me for a weekend and um well as soon as i finished my a-levels so as soon as i was i think i was 18 and like a half um, i moved back here to be with him and his parents and then you know we bought we bought a flat i think i was 19 we bought a yep. flat together and that's it i think next year we've been married 30 years lovely lovely so,
1: um, you know i'm married. very lucky that's lovely and how many children
2: we got three uh, 25 20 no 21 almost and 15 yeah so um yeah and they're doing really well nice, so nice of all of them. yeah
1: yeah lovely yeah. so and then your 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 business your business that we got your, your child child minding was it child child care business isn't it yes
2: yeah, so I'm a child minder uh and I have been for nearly 10 years but yeah. I also am the brand ambassador for the curiosity approach which is um a pedagogy so a way of teaching children so um, I kind of have two businesses that are running hand in hand, um, but the childminding I love I um, absolutely. Where mind. are you based? I'm based down in Little Hampton on the South Coast.
1: What is this that you were talking about?
2: Oh, the what Curiosity Approach. About that? Yes. What, what is that? So it was set up by two amazing ladies, uh, Stephanie Bennett and Lindsay Helen, up in Birmingham, who are both own nurseries, and. Um, what they there's so many different pedagogies within the early years so you've got Maria you might have heard of some of these but if you haven't I don't know Maria Montessori uh, you have Steiner Reggio um, there's Teferiki is another one which is a New Zealand curriculum and they're all amazing in their own right Um, but what these amazing ladies did was they took the best bits of everything and they kind of mashed it together. And it's a very child led way of learning. Um, there's not many plastic toys. There are some. They don't completely say they don't have plastic. But what they do is the environment is set up to try and inspire children's curiosity and wonder in the world around them. So yeah. there's a lot of nature based. Um, you know, I'm, I'm forest school uh, qualified. Uh, so we do a lot outdoors in the woods um and down along the beach because i'm lucky to live just a 15 minutes what ages
1: is that
2: for i go from zero to five but i like at the moment it's school holidays so i have older children as well at the moment um and so, you do that from home do you yeah i do and the yeah.
1: forest
2: school i'm I'm asking yeah. that for <laughs> my grandchildren <laughs> oh, that's all right. no for, forest school we go up to dover woods if you've heard of it near angmering and we also visit um High downhill. I mean, we're very lucky in this area because there are so many amazing Berry Hill and Houghton Forest. Um, so we we do different things depending on which wood we go to. Um, you know, and is that kind of, only for children that you childmind?
1: mind? Yeah.
2: Okay, but yeah, we we generally we meet up with other childminders as well. So another good friend of mine who's a childminder set up um, a small group where all the childminders come together in the woods and we do an activity together. Um, you know and it's really lovely Covid did put a bit of a kibosh on that but we're just starting to get get back into it it's exciting yeah it's a new way of teaching in a way the children teach themselves and that's the beauty of it you make sure that there's things there for them to explore then they ask the questions and they get the because children are naturally curious they naturally want to find out what's going on with things they naturally want to look at a spider or butterfly so it's looking at those things and then digging a little bit deeper sometimes with them so it is honestly that's the best bit of my job is that they you see the little light bulb going off in their head yes um <laughs> very child-led we don't that's have it. themes or anything um but we do follow the seasons as well
1: that's lovely and we don't even realize they're learning no what is one thing that you love about your job
2: everything it really is the paperwork I hate but the actual job itself is amazing I mean I think that comes to, I mean I've been lucky I say lucky but you know, perhaps I should pat myself on the back as well because I have been great, great uh, graded outstanding twice now. My last two inspections with Ofsted because we have to be Ofsted uh, registered and they come out and inspect us. because the children, literally, they want to show off what they've learned. You know, when people come round, I had, there was a very really good example um, of what I love about my job. So a child, this is going back a couple of years ago, asked me the question, does a dog have an engine? Yes. <laughs> Now what a fantastic question for a three-year-old child to ask. So we were like wow that's now instead of just answering the question you say I think we need to find out about that and then you start exploring what the heart is what it does. Now this child is now at school but she can still remember that a heart pumps the blood around the body and that is the engine that we have and other animals have within them she remembers all of that and that's just from that one question that she asked yes. so when the child asks a question it's one tip i would say with any child don't just answer it go and find out with them because it, yes. it's amazing what they learn yeah. from that no that is you can tell i'm really passionate about my job no, no, <laughs> brilliant
1: how, how did you get into it was it your own children and then you took on
2: um it's, well, this is my husband's doing, really. Um, I was a bank manager for eighteen years, would you believe? And then I uh, went into care work and managed a care company for a number of years. And from that, I then went to work in a school, working one to one with the child who had microcephaly, which is where the the skull does not grow, so yes. uh, they will always be developmentally at a younger age and stage and so I worked very closely with him and he was a marvel and I loved it but I was only on temporary contracts. I went to a different school after that and worked with other uh, children with dis- uh, learning disabilities I don't like the word learning disability no, really. no. learning difficulties I think yes. is the way of putting it um and um absolutely loved it and my husband said why don't you child mind you know you're amazing with these children and I thought mm, do I want to but I thought, oh, I'll go I'll for it. And then that was 10 years ago. So, and, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I've loved it ever since. So, what makes you feel inspired in life? The children that I work with and their parents, who are all amazing. I think people within the community that are working together, the sun shining, there's so many things that inspire me, other child minders, people who are working really hard to build communities. Um, yeah. In Littlehampton, we're quite lucky in some respects because there are a lot of amazing communities down here on the South Coast. But, yeah, I think it's seeing people living day to day, sometimes with really, you know, a lot of difficulties, whether that be financial, emotional, mental, physical, anything like that. And they're still doing it. Yes. How inspiring is that just to see people doing that all the time? It is,
1: Yeah which leads us on to what you do for charity, the amazing work you do. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about um, that? It's amazing. Yeah,
2: it's not not just me, I do it with friends as well, so I can't say it's purely just me. Um, it started off many years ago, um, I did a zip wire off the top of a hotel in Gatwick, which <laughs> kind of, I suspect what I hate hikes, but I did it. And uh, from that, Um, I used to do walks I used to do 5k and 10k walks. unfortunately I can't run I love running but I can't run because my back so we decided to start walking and then about six years ago saw on Facebook um, an advert asking for people if they'd like to do the Oxfam trail walker uh, for Oxfam and the Gurkhas. and I thought oh that sounds good but you needed a team of four people so it's the trail walker is 100 kilometres, which is about 64 miles, but you have yeah. to do it in under 30 hours. Wow. You're time limited. Uh, you don't sleep, you just keep walking. So I put a message out to Facebook, consider there are any mad friends out there that <laughs> would like to do this with me. And amazingly, three of them did. Uh, so there was uh, Vicky, Page and Andrea, and who all did it, and their and their husband's partners, they were our like support crew. And we started training in the January and it was in the July. Best thing I've ever done, ever. It was, that was inspiring. So uh, we did it in 28 and a half hours. Did you feel Um, any
1: fear due to your back and pain and...
2: Yeah, we were all in a bit of pain, I think, by the end because even though we'd done a lot of training, we'd never walked 100 kilometres in one go. So once we'd gone past, we'd done 50 kilometres in one go. So once we'd gone past 50 kilometres, we all said we're into the unknown. But what we did, I don't think I have ever felt any fear um, because, because there was a team of four and we stuck together. We never split up at all along the route. Um, and... With the training, we'd done every section. So we split the 100 kilometres up into 10K. Yeah. So we did 10 up to 10 kilometres. And so each time we started a new section, we were like, oh, yeah, we've done this bit. We know that, you know, this bit goes there and we have to go yeah. down and up. And and we just took each section, a bit like my philosophy in life yes. to take each moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, And we just took each section and uh, the relief at the end, there was huge relief. I bet. Yes. <laughs> um, and we did all cry um but it yeah. was amazing it was how amazing how much did you raise that particular time I think we raised almost three and a half thousand pounds amazing um yeah and um I think when you add everything up I think it was like with all the other things we've done because we then did the three peaks um now that was three years ago now because um, we were planning to do something else, and then of course COVID hit. COVID hit, so yeah, we absolutely. haven't been able to do anything. But it seems to be every couple of years we do something slightly mad. So yeah, we didn't do the next kids. one. Well, yeah, we are doing a 10k walk next. year. but obviously it's only 10k. I say <laughs> <laughs> it's only 10 um, and that's a nighttime walk uh, next spring um, for ca- uh, one of the cancer charities. Um, but I'd like to do. Uh, from coast to coast from yeah. the west coast to the east coast where right. you do it up uh, around from the Lake District yeah nice. um, yeah I would love to do that yeah. um, but that would take longer that would take about a week I think to do yeah. So yeah. that would need some planning that, that would but yeah would that, the would three
1: people along the way would it or would yes. that be like Airbnb do you get to stay in the it hotel could, to get to could be both, nice could, could
2: be both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah could at least have a bath yeah. that would be good and I was working so, with the 100 so I couldn't do that <laughs> oh yeah that pull back it oh, does go good. through no every, to- every time I'm doing something and I'm moving I think look it's another day I'm alive yeah I'm moving here yeah so you know I'm now 50 so I was ill 34 years ago and I'm still here and I'm still yeah. moving
1: no that's amazing so, amazing yeah during covid over the last year and um, what's the biggest curveball that you deal with and how did you deal with it uh,
2: i think that was closing i had to close my business for a couple of months because when we were first told to go into isolation we were obviously all unsure all my parents were unsure and um although i was allowed to remain open for key children and i do have children whose parents are nurses and teachers um and in the police. Um they they'd all decided that they were going to keep them all at home because we all none of us knew what to expect. Yeah. So I was closed for the April and the May. Um and that was really hard because obviously all of a sudden my finances I had none. Yeah. I was very limited. I had a very tiny little bit. Um and it was like well what do I do now? So I always have a few days where you think, oh, and you get a bit of a dip. And then I always slap myself around the face a few times and say, come on, stop doing that. <laughs> and it gave me a chance to reevaluate.
1: Yes, yeah. What I wanted get to did. do. It did for a lot of us, has not it? It made us stop. Mm. Before yeah. We we were just going, it made us stop and evaluate life. So we're going to take a moment to reach out to those struggling with illnesses and disabilities. Um, yeah. What would you like to say to them?
2: well, how amazing they are for a start, having to um, live with what they do on a day-to-day basis. Um, but also remember that you are loved and that there are people that can help you and you're not alone. I think a lot, especially during COVID, a lot of people were very isolated. There are people out there who do think of you, and who do send out thoughts to you. And, you know, people who are struggling with whatever they are struggling with, on a day to day basis, in themselves, that is an amazing feat because just to get through the day sometimes is like walking through treacle, isn't it? You know, yeah, um, yeah. you can do it, yeah. we're all here for you. You know, we might not be there in person, but we're always there in spirit. That's right.
1: And sometimes I think we can feel that we're alone, we're the only ones going through that, especially during yeah. COVID quite isolated yeah. right and it's just it's just ready to know that there's others going through that going through the same thing yeah. I think that that helps a lot doesn't it it, it does to just knowing that. there's somebody else there get on the phone and talk to somebody or talk yeah. to lots of charities out there and things isn't there that people can get on the phone and talk to
2: it can just help you get through that
1: Half an hour. It's just somebody um, to say, it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You may not be able to see light at the end of a tunnel at the moment, but it's, it's there is. Just hold on. And as you say, in the moment, just take one in day the moment.
2: Hour. Yeah. And just because you can't see the light does not mean it, that it's not there. That's right.
1: So what mainly helped you to start to discover your
2: authentic self? First, it would be my husband, because I have to say, he is my rock, and he is someone who has always allowed me to be who I want to be. He's never tried to put any kind of constraint or pressures or you have to be like this at all so yeah. I'm very lucky to have somebody like that in my life but the first there was a book this is one of the first of the few books I'll probably read. there was a book about signs I can't remember what it was called but it was um, a book that had been written by um, this lady who she went through what things could be a sign of but also with um, it was like a story of her own life and what signs she had seen throughout her life it was a really great book and um, when I was reading it I was thinking oh do you know what I think I need to open myself up a bit more because I'm sure I've been seeing signs and from that literally from that moment on my intuition kicked in my, uh, um I think most People are intuitive, but we, with the constraints of society, we tend to smother it. Yes. Um, and I've just became more intuitive and open-minded. And I was, I think, as soon as you think to yourself, "Well, I'm going to be open to some signs here," you then you automatically open yourself up and you start seeing them everywhere. Um, and from that moment, I started to follow my gut in. Everything. So, um if some, if if I feel a little bit scared but really excited mm. about something, I know that that is the path I'm meant to go down yes. in whatever yes. that is. That could be business, it could be personal, could be regards to my children, it could be anything. If I feel slightly scared but really excited, you know that sort of butterflies in your stomach yes, kind yes, of yes, feeling yes. when yes. you think, "Oh yeah, I've got to do this." Yeah. Then. Um, Yes, and that's that all stems from that book. Um, you
1: can't remember the is, name of it? I
2: can't remember, I'm, I'm sure it's called Signpost, or Signposting, but I, I lent it to someone many years ago and never saw it.
1: <laughs> for a reason, isn't it? They obviously needed yeah. it more than we did at that time. Yeah. <laughs> What's your best tip for making the world a better place?
2: Random acts of kindness and smiling. Yes, yeah. Those two things. When I heard about random acts of kindness quite a few years ago now, I decided. I think I saw, I've seen there's some really great things on Amazon Prime, certainly I'm allowed to, but there are other channels that you can watch, of course, that showed this person who went, He got this guy went on this journey across, I think there's one across Europe and one across America without any money. All he had was like a car and he had to do, um, completely rely on random acts of kindness. Uh, it was amazing. It's very, very thought provoking. And kindness definitely helps the world go round. So from that moment on, I was like, right, that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to try and do it on a daily basis. But I've done, sort of, I've done, I do try and do lots of little things, holding the door open for somebody, letting someone cross the road. And I'm in the car. But I've also done other things. One Christmas, my daughter and I were at the McDonald's drive through and we paid for the persons behind us. We paid for them at McDonald's and just said, just let them know it's a random act of kindness and to pass it on. We've left book tokens when Smith was open in Littlehampton. We left book tokens inside the books, just random books on a shelf to pay for the book. Uh, we've left kind notes in a library books. We've put pebbles with little messages of kindness you know around the town so I've yeah. involved obviously the children that I look after also involved in this yeah okay. we volunteer at the local orchards we've got a community orchard in Littlehampton and we volunteer there we do the weeding and we help out with other people you know we we try and do as much as we can um within wherever we are I can remember one year going on holiday with my family and we stopped off for a little chef and somebody obviously hadn't come into work and the poor lady was besides self, because there were state, uh, plates stacking up and um people were getting grumpy so me and my daughter I think she must have been about 18 at the time my oldest we said right come on then so we started clearing the tables and taking orders and just helping this poor lady out we felt <laughs> most Makes you feel good when you're helping somebody yes, else, out. you know. And um, she was very grateful. I think hopefully the customers were very grateful. They all thought we was yeah. actually worked there, and we said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we "We're actually just waiting for our own breakfast, thanks." Um, and you know, the kindness was repaid. The lady refused to accept any money for our own breakfast, yeah. which was yeah. very kind yeah. of her. But it's little things like that. If you notice somebody is struggling, That's offer awesome. to help.
1: Yes, certainly.
2: It's, certainly I you mean know, even,
1: even if it's just a smile, smile at somebody that can make their day. Yeah. You know, they can be feeling lonely, alone, having a hard day, something's just happened and you just smile. That's what yeah, I want.
2: Smile saying. is contagious. Yeah, 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 certainly.
1: Gonna move on to quick fire questions. What makes you smile? Yeah,
2: my husband, my kids, and the son.
1: Your favourite book and why?
2: Uh I have three. Uh The celestine Prophecy. Uh, because I absolutely loved it, and again, I don't have the book because I lent it to somebody and <laughs> it's gone. Uh, the Secret, oh yes, uh, another book about positive thinking. There's a book which I think is called Goddesses Stay Young or Goddesses Never Age by Christine, Dr. Christina Northrup. Uh, absolutely brilliant book for women of any age, but especially anyone that's going through the menopause. I have to get that. She's, yeah, she's a really, really amazing writer. Um, And she's written a couple of different books. But um, yeah, those three. That's good.
1: Do you consider yourself to be an introvert or an
2: extrovert? Both. That's
1: because a good one. I
2: can, <laughs> because uh, I can be very extroverted like now when I'm passionate about yes. something. Yes. I can get very verbal. My hands go all over the yeah. place and I'm fine. And I can exude confidence. But honestly, it's all a show because really I'm happiest when I'm tucked up on my favourite chair with a book on my own. People around me, but sometimes you're alone, but without being alone. Yeah, so I'm a bit of both.
1: Yeah. What life lesson did you learn the the hard way?
2: If you don't look after yourself or love yourself, no one will.
1: Yeah. Favourite movie of all time.
2: This is a book and a movie because it's called The Notebook. It's my favourite. I I was given... given it as a book first and then I watched the movie and I have to say absolutely brilliant it's very moving it's full of empathy it's all about relationships and true love uh yeah really lovely really lovely story
1: okay I'll be looking that one up as well afterwards <laughs> do you <laughs> write a journal
2: yes I do
1: your perfect vacation
2: me hubby sun water nature fire and oh, wine
1: that's, yeah that's it and wine.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: if a genie granted you three wishes right now, what would you wish for?
2: Uh, clean renewable energy for everybody. Uh, to clean the planet of rubbish and to make plastic disappear, so it was never invented in the first place. Single-use plastic. And my last one would be uh, bring awareness of one's own actions to all. Yes, no, that was a powerful one.
1: Your favourite hobby
2: yoga if you can call that a hobby
1: yes yeah (laughs) it's good fun as well isn't it for the
2: mental health and the physical I do it every day great what's your greatest fear that global warming stroke climate change uh does not is not reversible and doesn't get better yeah
1: what song makes you happy
2: on sunshine yeah, yes. the waves.
1: lovely one, lovely one. What a lovely note to end on. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming and sharing with us. And for the listeners, um, I will put up uh, your, your website, your Facebook page. Um, I will put Thank that up you. Be on the time. page and Leash Your Goddess as well. Thank you so lovely. much for coming on today. Thanks, yeah. thanks.
0: Take care. What an inspiration, Samantha's journey has been never to give up, keep going, and be positive, taking one day at a time. Even though Samantha could have given up, she defied all odds and now runs two businesses and does lots of charity events. It's been a pleasure having Samantha on this podcast. Her tragedies has become great blessings for others. Thank you, Samantha, for coming on. We look forward to our next podcast and see you there. Bye.